praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him, above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Praise you, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And all creatures here below, all creatures above, we join our hearts to praise you. Bless us as we look at your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. God's desire, our desire. That's not the topic but I'd like some interaction with you. The heart of spirituality is when God's desire and our desire connect. That's the heart of revival. That's all that God is crying for, that connection of heart, that connection of desire. I'm reading an old book, I think published in 1979. How many of you have heard the book, Why Revival Tarries? Yeah, beautiful book. It's a book I encourage everyone to read if you've not read it before. It's a book I'll encourage you to read again and again, at least once a year. Why Revival Tarries? It's in old English. It's not, there are no jokes, it's not hippie, it's not funny. But it's downright calling God's people to the heart of revival. And I want to say there's nothing I'm crying more for than revival in my life, revival in my family, revival in HCC, and revival in Egypt. God's heart and our heart. There is a connection. Now, what do you think, if I can get some feedback, what do you think is uppermost in God's heart? What do you think? Salvation? Yes, someone else? Fellowship? Yes. Anyone? Today's topic is one family. I'm not changing it, but I trust you're changing the slides. Today's topic is one family. And we've been studying the book of James. But I want to say that one of the burdens and passions in God's heart 
is that the church is one family. That the church has one heart with his heart and with one another. I could have chosen many other topics, but Esther kept writing me in the U.S., what's the topic, what's the topic? <laughs> and those of you who know Esther, and I'm sure she's listening from somewhere right now, I read that passage and the Lord just said, tell her one family. One family, God's heart is that the church is one family, one heart, one people, together, united in love. John chapter 17, verses 21 to 23. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them, even as you loved me. Do you see this so that? This is where God's heart for the church unites with God's heart for the world. It's not one family as an end, but one family as a means also that the world may know. You see, he says that the world may believe. Again, he says, so that the world may know. But how will the world know? How will the world believe? He says that they are one, Lord. He said, Father, make them one. That they may be one. That the world may believe. Make them perfectly one. One family. The cry in God's heart is that the church is one family. Now, if you have been in the church long enough, you know that many times we are not one family. And we're studying the book of James because James is a very practical book. It's not about theories. It's not about big theologies. It's about do's. It's about actions. And so, what is James saying about this? Well, I needed to show the big picture first before we go to James. The big picture is God is crying for his church to be one that the world may see, that the world may know. I would love an unbeliever to come to church and just observe again and again the life of church. And the unbeliever would say, wow. 
just look at these people. They are one family. I love to sit with my sister here. She's not a mother alone. She's not a grandmother. She's a great-grandmother. Can we clap for a great-grandmother in church today? I want to sit with her. I look for her after service. Because I want to ask, how do you get to look so young and so beautiful? (laughs) We are a family. We're a family. That is God's heart. That the world would come and they would see us. All right, he's going to head to James. I wasn't there yet, but that's fine. (laughs) And so in James, the Amplified Version says, My brethren, please note he's talking to God's people, not unbelievers, right? This is the church. He says, My brethren, pay no servile regard to people. In brackets, show no prejudice, no partiality. Do not attempt to hold and practice the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, together with snobbery. I read this in different versions, but I like the way it came out in the Amplified. So the vision is one family, but there are some things we must be careful about. There are some things we need to watch out for. And James is calling our attention to this. The first is what? Well, before I go into the details, he says, do not attempt. Do you see that word? That means, listen, you may try, but don't attempt to hold and practice the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ together with. Don't attempt to do this. Don't mix it up. The faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. You know, he he brings that out. He says, listen, we're talking about the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, in case you don't understand, he is the Lord. And not just the Lord, the Lord of what? Glory. Then he says, please, don't attempt to hold and practice this faith with some things. There are three things he brings out here. And I just want to define some of them. The first is prejudice, just put prejudice and stop right there. Thank you. Do you see that? He says, show no prejudice. The first cancer that eats at the unity of the family is what? Prejudice. Now, is there anyone from the United Kingdom here? Because they are the ones who have English. You know, Americans don't speak English. (laughs) Americans speak American. Does anyone know what is prejudice? What is prejudice? 
Sorry? Prejudging. Thank you. Bias. All right. Let's see what it says. An irrational, hostile attitude, fear, or hatred towards a particular individual, race, or religion. When prejudice is put into action, it is called what? Discrimination. And so the first cancer that fights this one family is this attitude. You see, first of all, it's what? It's an attitude. Before it's an action, it's something within that says, hmm, I don't like the way she looks. I don't like the way he talks. I don't like, I don't like, I don't like. The attitude is on the inside, but when it manifests as an action, we call that discrimination. So the first cancer we need to fight to keep one family is what? Prejudice. I didn't say that. James is telling us, show no prejudice. In the family of God, show no prejudice, no discrimination. There's no black, there's no white, there's no green, and there are no Americans. <laughs> Just one people, one family bound together by the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God. And so when I look at you, I don't see color. I don't hear intonation. It does not matter. You were purchased by Christ. I am purchased by Christ. One family. And let the world see that. You know the people that we need to actually go towards at the end of service? Those first timers? We need to rush to them. Like, you guys watch out. They're going to come for you, okay? <laughs> Those first timers. Because it is not right. After service, we congregate with our friends. We congregate with the same people we love, we like, we hang out with. Hey, come on. Reach out to someone different because that's one family. Amen. Amen. I mean, I was in this church for how many weeks and already I felt at home. Why? People drew me in. People drew me in. Where's Mike? I wasn't here up to a month or two. And he says, would you join the leadership team? I said, really? Is that how it works? But you know, that is family. That is friendship. Let the world see. There's no prejudice. There's no Egyptian. There's no Malawian. There's no Nigerian. There's no Canadian. There's no British. There's no American. One family. No prejudice. Cancer number two. Thank you. 
partiality, which is a sister to prejudice. Now, the definition is to show favoritism towards others based on superficial distinctions, respecting persons based on skin color, economic and social status, educational level, or some other worldly criteria that God does not recognize. These are not my definitions. I just took them from the internet. So, partiality is a friend to prejudice. But here it says, you show favoritism based on what? Superficial distinctions that God does not recognize. So, the wealthy gets more preferred, the more handsome, and then watch out for those young, blonde girls in church. They get preferred a lot, you know, because some brothers are here kind of praying and saying, Lord, you know, God, do something. So, Chrissy, be careful. No preferential treatment. Single or married. No difference. I don't care your bank balance. I don't care that you drive in a limousine. I don't care where you live. We're one family. Amen. Amen. You may wear a Rolex watch. That's good for you. You may wear an Apple. Is it Apple 8 now, the watch? That's good for you. But when we are together, we don't want to see your watch. We don't want to know the name of your car. Because the moment you begin to promote your watch and your car, someone else is getting left out. Someone else is going to feel, I'm small. I'm not important. Do you see the way the rich guys bunch up together? We poor guys don't have anything. That's not the family. That's not the family. In this family, no favoritism. You have children, good. Someone else doesn't have children. No difference. You're married, great. Someone is, is single. No difference. One family. No favoritism. The third thing. I love this quote by someone called Barton Barley. I think that's the name. Barton Braley. He says, snobbery is the pride of those who are not sure of their position. He's a poet. Snobbery. When you see someone who snobs someone else, he is the one that's insecure. Listen to me. If you have someone who is snobbing you, you are stronger than him. Because the snob is insecure about himself, so he has to prove a point by trying to make you look small. 
trying to make you look insignificant. And he thinks by putting you down, he's more important. No, it doesn't work that way. Cancer number three, snobbery. Claire, you are from Britain, right? I was asking for people. You just, I didn't see you, Claire. All right. All right. So the British are snobbing all of us. One family, I'm crying for revival. But revival will start when the hearts of God's people are one. Revival will break forth when God looks upon a community and he sees one people. He says, oh, that they may be perfectly one. That they may be perfectly one. Now, James goes on to make this a bit more practical. So James, we see in James chapter 2 verse 3, and I, I now chose the King James. And ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. Not gay like gay, homosexual. Gay like beautiful clothing. Ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing. And say unto him, sit thou here in a good place. And say to the poor, stand thou there or sit here under my footstool. No, James is very practical. Remember, he said, I'm speaking to brethren. So he's not speaking theory. He's speaking reality. That in the church, there were people who were given preferential seating arrangements. Now, I don't know about you. It doesn't happen in HCC, praise God. But I have been part of many churches where the big man of God or the senior wealthy people that give large donations to the church have a special place they sit. I don't know about you, but I've seen this all over the world. And they would even come late to church. And the ushers would bring them in specially because he gives his offerings in four or five digit figures. Please come forward. There's space here. There's space up here. Come, come. There's space. There's another grandma here. You can. <laughs> Listen. Maybe, maybe Claire gives a two digit offering, somebody else gives a six digit offering. Do you know before God, the sacrifice of Claire may be more than the person who gives the five-digit offering. But we see with the eyes of men. And so, you know, the leadership, they see that this guy's check comes in and is giving five-digit, four-digit. And so we give him a special place. He may not even be a spiritual person, but we honor him. Like I said, I've been visiting the U.S. and a friend of mine told me a story. He said he went to a particular country, I won't call the name, and he went for an occasion. And he wasn't used to the traffic, so he got there a bit late. 
with his friend. They, they came in late and they said, there's no space for you. Then one of the ushers recognized the man he came with and rushed to them and said, hey, let them come in. Don't you know this is Dr. So-so and so? And while everyone else was left outside, they took them inside, put them on a special platform under the air conditioning with purple carpet before them. And he said to me, how unfair that was. This happens in church. But James says, no, no, no preferential treatment in the church of God. The rich and the poor, no difference. No difference. I know some people who say, I don't want to go to that church because I cannot dress like they do. I, I don't look the way they look. But Jesus doesn't look at what we wear. He doesn't look at the beauty on the outside. He looks at the heart. James chapter 2 verse 6, amplified. But you, in contrast, have insulted, now look at in brackets, humiliated, dishonored, and shown your contempt for the poor. Is it not the rich who domineer over you? Is it not they who drag you into the law courts? He is not castigating the rich. And I want to make this clear. There's nothing wrong in being wealthy. There's nothing wrong. But he's speaking to the church and saying, you are treating the poor wrongly because you favor the rich. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 6, as I begin to wind down. I, therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you, note the word, urge. And that's what I'm trying to do this morning. I'm trying to urge you. I, therefore, I urge you to walk worthily of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and meekness, with long-suffering, Bearing with one another in love, being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Can somebody say hallelujah? hallelujah? He says, listen guys, he says we need to work worthy of this calling. We need to work worthy. And how do we work worthy of this calling? He says, being eager to maintain, being eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Being eager. It takes an eagerness 
to maintain that unity. And I'm asking the church, can we work together, one body? If it's still on the screen, I think it is, and if you can read all the scratched up differences there, can we read verse 4, 5, and 6 together as a church? One to go. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is over all and through all. Please, do we accept that one faith, one baptism? Now, in this church, we are all from different backgrounds. You know that. Some people here speak in tongues. Some people don't speak in tongues. Some people believe in miracles. Some people maybe don't. Some people like to pray quietly. Some people like to raise their voices. There are differences. But you know what? We are united by the most important things. Amen. amen. At least one person is amen with me. <laughs> We're united. One Lord. One baptism. One faith. One Father. One family. Hallelujah. Amen. Next slide. So what? No prejudice. No prejudice. Because what? All lives matter. White lives matter. Black lives matter. Chinese lives matter. Yes. Japanese lives matter. Amen. Korean lives matter. Amen. Egyptian lives matter. Yes. Most importantly, Nigerian lives matter. <laughs> Sorry, I, got, I, I needed to do that, you know. All lives matter. One family. Can I ask us to do something? Can we rise? It's an old song. I don't know whether you know it. It's an old song. We used to sing it way back on campus more than 30 some years ago. We are heirs of the Father. We are joined heirs with the Son. We are children of God's kingdom. We are family. We are one. Hold someone's hand next to you as we sing it again. We are head of the Father. Of the Father. We are joined heads. We are joined with the Son. With the Son. We are children. We are children of God's kingdom. Of God's kingdom. We are family. We are family. We are one. We are one. For the last time, we are heirs. We are heirs of the Father. The Father. We are joined heirs. We are joined heirs with the Son. 
with the sun. We are children. We are children of God's kingdom. Of God's kingdom. Raise your hands together. We are family. We are one. So, Father, this is our prayer this morning. One family. We are joint heirs. Heirs of the kingdom. One faith. One baptism. One Lord. One King. One Savior. Lord, we are one. Protect us from every and every form of snobbery, partiality, and prejudice. Lord Jesus, we have learned today that we need to hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ correctly by choosing, by choosing to be one. Bless the church and help us, Lord, to be one. Is there anyone here struggling with prejudice, struggling with partiality, struggling with snobbery? Lord, heal yes. such a heart in the name of Jesus. We want revival in this church and we know revival starts with united hearts. And so, Lord, unite our hearts. Please, Lord, unite our hearts. And forgive us, Lord, where we have not been united. Let this be the start of a new beautiful season for this church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.